Welcome to the What I Meant to Say podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, founder of Be Better Media and a mom of four, passionate about human connection. Some of these stories contain sensitive content about real life events and all of the information in this podcast and from anywhere on the Be Better Media website is for informational purposes only. If you find that you need help, which we all do from time to time, please reach out to a licensed professional for help. I'm so excited to have my dear friend, Dr. Natasha Nelson, back on What I Meant to Say to kick off Mental Health Awareness Month. Natasha is a chiropractor with her master's degree in spiritual psychology who uses all that she has learned to help others through her coaching and her course, The Untamed Heart, where she teaches her clients tools to align their minds, bodies, and spirits for optimal health. Yes. Right. <laughs> I'm so excited because I have Natasha Nelson back today. Um, you're my first repeat guest, and for very good reason. Um, we're going to talk about your course and your coaching more today in anticipation of Mental Health Awareness Month that's coming up. And, you know, people that want to know more of your story um, can refer back to episode 18 because we got your whole life story there, and it was really awesome. And it's in this incredible book, Finding Courage to Let You Out. Um, but today I just want to get into... Um, you know, how you came to this um, mental health space and the job you're doing today. Yeah. So tell me about, um, you know, what you're doing today and how you got here. Yeah. Thank you, Wendy. <laughs> it's nice to be back. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those journeys that you don't realize that started, you know, 25 years ago. Um, getting to this place and then the space of where I'm at, it wasn't that I foresaw it then. Mm -hmm. It just kind of evolved and unfolded to this place. So my my background is uh, as a chiropractor. And people would come, you know, chiropractic of wanting to not take medications, get off medications. So I always had that approach. What I really learned early, like within my first year of practice, and I was in practice, I had my own practice for uh, 17 years. Mm -hmm is that people's ability to heal would be so different. So early on in the first year, it's like, okay, the same injuries people would have, how I was treating them, the diagnose, things like that. Like school taught me how to be a great diagnostician, how to adjust, how to do all these things. And I'd have people that weren't getting better. Some people would get better, but there was so, so much variation that it made me start to look at, well, what else is going on? And that's when I started asking deeper questions that were not necessarily about their injury or the pain, but about what was going on in their life, stress that was happening, what was going on, and then realizing the magnitude of sleep and emotional stress and the emotional health space and how that impacted the body. And that's what led me to those, like, okay, I understand that. The really the mind, the body, and really so much of the energy of my practice was incorporating them both, but really I was in a place where I understood how to talk to people that stress was an effect and how to get to that, okay, that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how to help them <laughs> once they're like, yeah, there's a lot of anxiety or I'm feeling there's some depression or I was able to get that far with them, but not further, I didn't know how to help them. Mm -hmm. And then when I started to go through my own, you know, ups and downs and the challenges, and I, it was not to help my patients, but it was through my own life experiences that I went back 
to get my master's in spiritual psychology. And it's that, that once I learned how to really understand what was going on inside of me and heal all of those emotional issues that had been, you know, through, accumulated through my life and then, you know, working on releasing them, that's how I learned how, oh, okay. And then I always thought about, well, what are the things that I wished I had known that turned into, okay, well then, those are the things I'll share. <laughs> and if somebody wants help with that, that's what I can help them with. And that's how it turned into the space of what I do now. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you hit on so many things, and that's why we're friends. Not, it's way beyond sharing volleyball courts next to each other. But that, that, that precept of, one, being able to use your own life experience, not just to improve yourself, but to help somebody else. And I think that is honestly the through line of the way the world gets better because we're all human and we're all going to go through all you know painful things in our lives. And that whole question of like, why did this happen to me? The only way that I have found to answer that is that it's going to grow you and you're going to be able to help someone else. Yes. So that to me it gives me chills every time and it, it, it gives meaning to suffering, which is just a really hard thing to do. It is. And it's it helps kind of makes sense you know it's not like it makes sense of the world but it's really about it gives me a sense of purpose of okay I there are things that I may be with a client that says something else and I go oh my gosh I remember that from you know my childhood I remember that when I was in, in my teenage years and connecting with that and being able to share what I learned through it makes it all feel like now I'm not stuck there. I have a reason and purpose of why I want to get through it and what I want to learn from that. And then it's really what to do with it all. Well, what do I do with all of this experience and all of the stuff that I learned? And that's the point for me of what brings me such joy and sense of purpose is, well, now I have information and resources and tools to help other people going through things that I understand. And that's what I do. And that's yeah. what feels so connecting yep. and important. And I think the thing that, that is so fascinating about the way you've joined those two careers, the paths, um, and I know you call yourself a life doctor, which I, I'd love to get, I want your definition on that, but what, what I hear and what I learned first from you, I'd never heard a chiropractor explain it in these words, that the alignment that you work on physically is... a it is affecting your nervous system. I had never, and I was like, when you said that the last episode, I was like, oh, duh. But I'd never put it together before that that was really the physiological purpose of, of one of them, of yeah. alignment. And so when you couple that physiology and medical background with, you know, the mental health and emotional, spiritual, psychological work, for me... I mean, I don't know, as an athlete or just being a person that's always been incredibly in, in touch with my body, it makes so much sense. So I get how you got to the, the concept of, of life doctor because you are encompassing all these things, but I'm, I'm also curious as to like, <laughs> did that title just like pop into your head or how did you get there? So, you know, yeah, from the chiropractic perspective, um, I came from the school of, uh, you know, Palmer chiropractic is a very... It was the original. That's okay. how chiropractic started with D.D. Palmer. So Palmer uh -huh. Chiropractic is from that philosophy that 
even as a chiropractor, I'm like, I'm not treating any condition in the body. Me adjusting the spine is what allows the nervous system to function properly so that the brain can talk to the body, the body can talk to the brain, and the body is just doing what it knows how to do. And with that principle, it was like, okay, well, I'm adjusting the spine to make sure the communication is free and open to the best of its ability, and then the body will do what it can to the best of its ability. Everything else is just helping it along. And I took that same principle, I think just because mentally it's what, there's a logical, practical kind of way to go, which is, and then, you know, in my practice, a patient would come in and, you know, low back pain or headaches. Okay, well, let's do an exam. Let me find out your history. Let me, you know, take x-rays. Let me do the diagnostic to find out for sure if it's a chiropractic related issue. And if not, I would refer out. Mm -hmm. And then I would know if it's chiropractic, then we start with this, if it doesn't work. So there was a logical path that mm -hmm. I was going through. And now with the work emotionally, it's like I still have the same practicality of it. Okay, there's an emotional pain. Let's do the history. Let's do diagnostics. Let's find out for sure what it is. Because there needs to make sure that if we're going to apply an emotional solution, it has to be an emotional problem. I think so much of where people, the challenge is, is that somebody could have a physical pain trying to solve it with a chemical solution. Or it's an emotional pain you're trying to solve with a physical solution. Until you get from, if you don't start with the beginning of is it a physical, chemical, emotional, mental, or spiritual issue, you won't know which therapeutic, you know, to offer. Because yeah. the, the treatment has to match the actual diagnostic issue. Mm -hmm. So there's, a, there's the practical, I think that's the doctor mindset of what's the issue, really what's the issue, what's at the root of it to apply it, how to, how to heal it and how to, what to do with it. So yeah. that's the doctor part of it. And the life doctor really came from when I was in, in school and getting my master's. And there was just, it's more, they use it as a principle. They just recognize, there was one book called The Illness is the Cure. And I don't remember the author, but it talked about life doctor as a principle of how medicine should come evolve of treating the whole person. And I remember reading it, and it was like, it hit me, like, oh my gosh, that's what I've been doing. I just didn't know that there was a term. And so... Don't you love that when your love intuition it. meets oh. with, like, some wisdom or science out there? I, oh. That is my favorite Loved thing. it. And I was like, life doctoring? That's what I do. And I remember, because I would have patients in my office that would say, oh, you're more than a chiropractor. You're like my life doctor. And, and, and I didn't, until I read it in the book, and I went, oh my gosh, that's it. And then it was a kind of a combination of, you know, life coaching and chiropractic doctor. And it was like, it made sense. And so I, I just kind of took that on as that's what I do. But even more than that, it's, it's that's what I teach because I teach people how to be their own life doctor. I want people to know how to have the information to at least start that process to feel like, okay, I have the tools and resources and skills to handle emotional aspects of my life, to handle um, whatever is going on. You may need help and you'll know how to ask for help, or, but just start with the idea of I teach people how to be their own life doctor because I don't want people 
relying on me as their source of treatment because then I'm no different than just a pharmaceutical you know prescription yeah I don't want to be that role I'm like no let me teach you let me show you let me give you these skills so that you can like fly but that's what gives people ownership and responsibility for their life their health their body their mind is with the tools and skills to say okay I can take responsibility for my life so that's really the how that all came about to what I do now yeah I mean that gives me chills too because I'm such a believer in that that path of exposure yes and like that there it really is we're so diverse as humans I mean we want so many of the same things and belonging and connection and all of these things that really add joy and meaning to our lives but there's different ways for everybody depending on what they've been through depending on their personality or so many different things so it's like that exposure to hey did you know this was out there yeah you know and guiding because it's nice to have someone who I always feel like there's always someone ahead of me on the path and instead of feeling like I need to catch up to them I'm always like my mindset has changed like how can I learn from them yes and then it just becomes this free flow of information where we're all learning from each other so I love that concept yeah the way you laid that out and it's really about I think about from my own life the sense of freedom that I've experienced with my chiropractic knowledge just with that alone to be able to listen to information listen to my body have a chance to go okay well like I don't feel there's no panic there's not Mm -hmm. a sense of fear of oh my gosh I have a fever. I'm like, oh, okay, well, my body has a fever because there's something, okay, I'll just go to bed and let it run its course, and if I need to in 72 hours, if I need help, I'll get help. I'll go to the doctor. But there's not a panic. And that was the freedom that I felt physically, but I didn't feel that until I got my master's emotionally. And the freedom of the emotional freedom of Okay, I have ups and downs. I might have a challenging day or a challenging situation, but I don't feel afraid of the emotional emotions that may come up. I don't feel afraid of the feelings because I feel like, oh, now I know what to do. I have a plan, an algorithm. I have my scent, and if I need help, I'll get it. Mm-hmm. But at least I know what to do in the initial stages to not panic. Yeah, and which is. Oh. It's huge because there is so much overwhelm and there's so much information out there. And it, what you're bringing up for me, it's like I, we hear so much about anxiety and depression and there's so much addiction out there these days that, um, you know, I'm wondering, you know, f- for you, how you how you define those things. Yeah. And if someone comes to you, because I think those are such prevalent issues and, you know, maybe some of the tools that you help people to work through. Yeah, anxiety, depression. That's such a great, I'm glad we're bringing this up because it starts with being able to understand what's happening. And I think I'm one of, I just, I like definitions. I like words because they have meaning and it's really just a sense of being able to understand and connect in the place. Mm -hmm. And I work with, so addiction, depression, anxiety. To me, those three go together and it's kind of the wheelhouse of what I work with. I don't work with people who are in an active, addictive phase, whether it's drugs or alcohol or gambling or porn. Like I refer because they need help that's beyond my scope. It's like, just like from chiropractic, I gotta know if it's a chiropractic case, then I can work with it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I work more with the 
So when people coming out of an addiction, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a facility or treatment of some sort, and they're reintegrating into life, but with the same people <laughs> in the same world, that kind of triggered all of the addiction issues to begin with. And now I work with them to go, okay, well, what are the skills that you need to have conversations about boundaries? What are the tools that you need to manage emotions when you get triggered? Um, but it starts with the place of understanding how those three go together because most people don't realize if you have one, chances are you have all three on varying degrees. Mm-hmm. And the way I define it, so the my working definition is an addiction is any unhealthy, actually it's not even unhealthy, it's any behavior pattern that you use on a regular basis to avoid feeling anything uncomfortable. So I'll repeat it (laughs) because most people start to think about like, hey, well, wait, what is this? So any behavior or person or place or thing or activity, anything that you use on a regular basis to avoid feeling uncomfortable. And if you look at that definition, you realize, yes, we are all addicts. <laughs> I all, I, I, we all have varying degrees on a scale from one to a hundred. We're all, everybody's in there somewhere yeah. because everybody knows the feeling of feeling bored and reaching to their phone. Yeah, like that's the most simple. There's nothing inherently wrong with the phone, and there's nothing wrong with being bored, but being Feeling bored feels so uncomfortable mm-hmm. that it's easier to say, oh, I wonder what's going on in my phone and my text and whatever, right. instead of just sitting and feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. And a lot of times nowadays, I mean, a quiet mind is uncomfortable. Yes. And that's the uncomfortable feeling that most people are trying to avoid is, oh my gosh, whatever is in there, I don't want to have to deal with it. I don't want to have to face it. But really, I don't want to have to feel it because I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Most people, once they have tools, like I know for me, once I had tools of what to do with the uncomfortable feeling, it doesn't mean I like them. I don't mean I, I want them. It just means I don't run away from them anymore. Mm-hmm. It just means like, okay, well, this is what's coming up. Okay, I got to face it and deal with it. Well, let me go to my tool bag and come up with the tools that I need. So that's the working definition that I have with addiction, Mm -hmm. which is uncomfortable feelings in current time that you're trying to numb yourself and avoid and distract yourself from. How that ties in with anxiety and depression is oftentimes when we feel uncomfortable, we're feeling the feeling now, but it's connected to the thoughts that are not in current time. The thoughts that we have are either in the future or in the past. So if we're going to the past, oftentimes we start thinking about situations where we wish that we could have been better or we thought, oh, I wish I was stronger. I wish I would have known better. Anytime you're going back into your past situations, wishing that you could somehow be different or better. It's going to bring you in a place of depression because there's no way to actually change what's happened in the past. All you do is just cycle and cycle. So how do you know the difference of 
depression versus just your past is if you can talk about your past experiences without emotionally getting charged and reactive and triggered, well then it's not depression and it's not an issue. It's just part of your life story that you've learned the lessons from and you can talk about and at peace with it. Mm -hmm. But if you're triggered by something in your past, it's because you wish that somehow it was different. And that's gonna pull your energy down because it makes you feel like you were not good enough in that current situation yeah. at the time to do it differently. Yeah, what comes through for me on that on, on those that those lower vibrations, and I know that's kind of an energetic term, but you know, when we get into those places, that's where that guilt and shame and yep. very yes. that underbelly of unworthiness and you know, it's starting to become cliche out there where you see the signs of uh, you are enough. And if you don't really know how to drill down on that, to me, it almost like sometimes I'm starting to get like, oh, please don't oversimplify that. Because if you really know the deep meaning of what it feels like to be, I am unworthy. Yeah. Like you can't work. It's in that deep. Place. It's so yes. deep. And so anything good that comes your way or any lesson that was available there to learn, you don't even feel worthy of learning it or, yeah. or growing from it. And you don't even realize that that's what's happening. No. But if something happened, you know, when you were seven and yeah. you thought that it was your fault and you don't really understand that it wasn't your fault, but it somehow just locked in your mind, it could, it could be 10 years, it could be 50 years. And the mind will still remember it as if it's happening and then you will react in current time. You'll react if you get triggered, you'll lash out or you'll shut down and withdraw or you'll sabotage yourself. Somehow you're reacting now to what happened decades, decades yeah. earlier because still you're still stuck in your mind, it's still stuck in the past of I should have known better or I should have done it differently I wish I was better or stronger at the time. Mm -hmm. And there's just no way to ever change that. So you don't get out of that cycle until you finally let go of wishing that the past could have been different. Of course we all wish, like we didn't have to go through it. But there's a difference between, yeah, it sucked, I wish I didn't have to do it, versus really still feeling like it was your fault and you should have done something to prevent it. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps you stuck in the depression of the past. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you're gonna, if depression is the past, anxiety is gonna be the opposite spectrum, which is the future. And you know, I was in Girl Scouts, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know, Girl Scout motto of like being prepared, you know, knowing in advance. And also had a mom who was very like, if you're not ten minutes early, you're late. Like uh -huh. there was a lot of that, and the rules drilled into me early on. And there's a place for that. There's a place to know what's on your schedule and what you know is going to happen next you know, there's a there's a place for that anxiety is when you're in the future it's like you're trying to think about all the possible painful situations that could come up in the future and trying to preemptively stop them now in current time so being prepared is different from trying to Think of everything that could happen mm -hmm. and trying to stop it in advance. And it just, you can't do that. Yeah. You can't live in the place of, I'm going to prevent any and all painful things from happening in my future. It just is not possible. 
you can't plan tomorrow and you certainly can't plan 10 years out and there's no way to currently take action on something that hasn't happened yet because and how do we how can we expect it to enjoy the now right if we're in that position right and i you you are making me go back to when i would have my babies and my bedside table i had to have it set up a certain way with everything that could possibly happen during the night there was an extra pacifier there was a thing of gas box there was a you know another burp cloth there was a box like everything and i would be like oh and now it's going to be okay mm-hmm. and it's like there's little things that i never realized were part of an ang- the anxiety in my system and yes that was you know postpartum or whatever but there are so many things in my life that i now look back on and go wow that sense of routine that oh i'm a i'm a routine person mm-hmm. Not, I mean, I've come through it, and now I have that sense of freedom that you were talking about. But it's so much of it came through this learning about anxiety. So I can identify so much with what you're saying. Yeah, and that's where it came from for me, too, to understand how much my mind would get into that place of, oh, my gosh, I have to do this so that next year and when I retire and when I did and. Oh my God. Ah, ah. And that's the anxiety that will just cripple. Yeah. It would paralyze me. It would exactly. paralyze me because then I would realize I can't take I can't take everything off the table. I can't prevent everything. And it was really for me with my daughter, she's almost she was almost 14 next mm-hmm. month and realizing like why well, I have to let her go I have to let her do stuff I have to let her you know she wants to go and be out with their friends like yeah I can't just think oh my god I want to keep her in the house and keep her so she never gets hurt well she's gonna get hurt my job as a mom is to teach her how to deal with that Mm -hmm. and that's really what helped me is oh my gosh like that's what my job is I can't keep her in a container yeah I know because you're hitting on the parental relationship there but even that sense of control in any of our relationships and that's is, the premise of all control yeah <laughs> is anxiety is the idea that you can control anything, anything. <laughs> which yeah. especially other people which is the whole um you know there's two things trying to control people and trying to control the world and trying to control nature mm-hmm. and it's just not possible Right. And, um, you know, I think about that because I love the ocean mm-hmm. and I did everything for me. Like I love nature, but the ocean is the top of where nature yeah. for me. And I always think about our emotions and feelings like the waves. They're going to be there. They're going to be coming every day, all day, nonstop. Some days they're little blurps. Some days they're pretty flat. Some days... They are so violently crashing that seasoned surfers are on the sideline watching, going, yeah, well, maybe not getting in today. Yeah. And that's how I feel like now in that place of I look at all the feelings, emotions, I just go, oh, if I can treat what comes up the way I look at the ocean, which is a great deal of respect, I'll still go play in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I can still go play. But I have a different understanding of the waves and the currents and, you know, the ground and just kind of like, okay. And, but not trying to, like anxiety is trying to control it. Yeah. You can't control yeah. the ocean and the waves. It's just, 
yeah. it can't happen. So yeah, that but the, the the tools and training I feel like that you know and can provide are the things that help us just know how to respond. Yes. Right. And yeah. And that is, and there's a quote that I love um, because you were talking about those like early principles of like my mom taught me this and those types of things, you know, that are like, you know, they're, it's discipline, it's hard work and all of those things. And like I said, there's so much of that in that, in your book and in that first episode, but um, Matthew McConaughey in his book, Green Lights has this quote that just stuck with me that's called, it's conservative, early, liberal, late. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, that's genius. Yeah. Because we do need things that ground us in, in hard work and knowing how to show up for ourselves and at school and to, you know, know ourselves well enough to build that confidence to go out in the world and do things. But once we have that, that concept of being able to be kind to yourself, as because we all know, I mean, obviously there are troubled childhoods, but, but when the buck stops with you as an adult, there really is a freedom in being able to know yourself well enough that you know that grace and empathy f- for others and yourself is something that goes along with the yeah. happy adulthood, adulthood right? Yeah. There is no perfection. Right. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this chat as much as I am. For more great content, courses, and lifestyle, go to BeBetterMedia.tv. There's no perfection. I think part of what you tapped into is... You know, I think about, you know, what makes us as human beings, you know, happy is an interesting word. I don't use that oh, word I because I, because I talk to, I've asked people and they yeah. say, I just want to be happy. I go, mm-hmm. oh, good. Well, define happy. And they're like, they can't define it. I said, well, that's why you don't feel it because you can't define it and it floats with your feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's an awful measure, but content and fulfillment yeah. because I can be going through some tough something but still have a sense of contentment and some fulfillment and a place of, okay, and that keeps me grounded. Mm -hmm. But really what I learned is that the groundedness and that contentment comes from knowing myself, trusting myself, and I trust that myself with like my own sense of integrity. Like there's morals, there's values. It's not about being perfect. It's not about having to know all the answers. But it's about knowing that, that I've developed a sense of there's discipline, there's a respect for people and life that I see. And I just go, okay, if I observe that and I live with some sense of grounding in that, then somehow things like make sense. Yeah. And I'm not getting angry and not flying, I'm not going ups and downs because there's a sense of, okay, there's a humanity component, you know, part, there's, mm-hmm. there's nature. There's also, I trust myself because I've shown my own self, like the alignment yeah. between my head and my heart and my own integrity of, I know what it feels like to have to do something that's really hard and do it and feel the awfulness of doing something that I know I needed to do. And knowing what it's like to get to the other side and like, oh, I'm so glad I did it. Oh my gosh, that is, that's so true. And I'm wondering, maybe that's something that comes through in your course or obviously in your coaching, but can you speak to that person? Because I've definitely been in that place where we have to do hard things. I mean, whether it's building a business or answering a question in a class or, you know, putting ourselves out there is hard and it's easy to avoid, Mm -hmm. right? But what you just described is that amazing confidence and place where you 
you are you're, you're building but what happens when things are crossing our path can we go I'll do that tomorrow I'll do that tomorrow. yeah what, that sense of procrastination that comes with with I know it comes with anxiety mm-hmm. but what do you, how can you describe what happens for people yeah because so it's a big one regardless of the goal whether it's mm-hmm. working out whether it's writing a book business you're gonna be placed where as you grow there are situations that you realize are uncomfortable conversations that you have to have or actions you have to take it's uncomfortable and there's something in you that has to be able to say yes it's uncomfortable and okay I'll just do it even because I know I need to even if it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and that for me has come with I think that's the one of the biggest things about sports for me and working out because I love working out and I love playing, but I don't love work. I work out, you know, say five days a week. Yeah. Doesn't mean I love every workout. Yeah. I would say a lot of the workouts, you know, I'm like, fine, it's just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. It's part of the deal that I have to do to do this. Yeah. And you just accept that, oh, okay, here's the plan. Here it is. Okay. And so sometimes I, my workouts are, I just got to get through it and get through the grind and yeah. Be done with it. Check it off the box and be done. Because I also know that that's only 10% of the time. Right. Yeah, even if it's 20, who cares? Majority of the time, I'm like, I enjoy working out. Great. Yeah. And that same principle is what comes with, I'll say, I don't know, business. The procrastination piece is interesting. Because when I talk to people about procrastination, it always comes down to one of two things. You either don't know what to do, you know, or how to do it, or you don't want to. It's really simple. So then you just go, okay, well, if it's you don't know what to do, okay, well then ask for help, find somebody, find the information. And then when somebody who's done this before says, here's what you do, then you should be able to say, oh, okay, like I'll I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Or there's the piece that says, I know what to do, I just don't want to do it. And the don't want to do it, there's always an uncomfortable feeling that usually is about a judgment. Judging that I'm not going to be good enough, it's not going to be the right thing, what if it fails, what if, what if. There's always a judgment below the surface. And the judgment says, I don't want to look like a fool, I don't want to mess it up, I don't want to make a mistake, I don't want to, whatever, fill in the blank. And that procrastination piece. And then it just snowballs. Yeah. And it chips away at that credibility, right? With yourself. With yourself first. Yeah. It's not even about, I mean, if you're being governed by what the, the world perceives, like that in, in itself is like a really hard place to, to evolve and produce anything from. But if you're looking for that internal motivation and that in, intrinsic mo- motivation um, and you don't, you wake up and you go, no, I, I didn't pick up the pen today and I didn't write or I didn't make that call. You do. You chip away at your, the trust you have in yourself. Yep. And then you when you know that you are out of integrity with yourself, it will affect all of your decisions. It will also, because now you no longer trust yourself, but then it also bleeds into you won't trust other people because a part of you says, well, I can't even hold myself accountable, then other people aren't going to do that 
to help me and want to be with me either. And it shows up and that's where these people start to, you know, start to sabotage. You start. So it always comes back down to if, if there's something that you know you're supposed to do, it's like you ask yourself, well, do I, am I not doing it because I don't know how? Okay, well, that's an easy fix. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to do it, well, then you got to reevaluate, well, well, what's the goal that you had and is it still in alignment? Because you might be in a place where it's, it was until it wasn't. <laughs> and sometimes you get to the place when you realize it, it's so not true. there. I don't want to do that anymore. And evolution is okay. Yeah. And yeah. Your, your goals and your desires evolve. And it's okay to say, you know what? Last year when I made this goal, it sounded really good and it really mattered. And now as I really look at it, I don't really want to do that. And the only way to know is when you get there, if you could just say, yeah, you know what? I'm good with shelving the whole thing. Like, I'm good. I don't need to do it. Mm -hmm. Then you'll know. Mm -hmm. But if you're like, well, I just don't want to do that, but I still want the goal. Well, then now you know. Like, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> now you got to do what's uncomfortable. Yeah. I once heard, I can't remember what podcast it was, but I, I heard somewhere when they were talking about goal alignment. And, and they were like, well, it's fine if you want to sit on the couch and watch TV, but you're not... You can't want to be Kobe Bryant yeah. and sit on the couch <laughs> and watch TV. Like, and I mean, in the most simple terms, these yeah. are how, you know, you've got them. The thing, they have to match up. They the, do. The, the tasks, do. the tools, and the goal, you know, they have to ma match up. So getting to your course, I know, <laughs> yes. right? I know. It, that like one, it, was so, it was so oversimplified, but, but so blissfully clear. Perfect. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, yeah. makes sense. I know. Um, <laughs> So, and the thing is, you know, yeah. before, yeah, in, intuitively, we all kind of know yeah. when we're in that space. We know. Mm -hmm. We know. Yeah. Because there's a difference when you're like, oh, oh, that hadn't occurred to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Oh. But most of the time, people are like, yeah, I know. I'm not really doing all that I should do, or I'm not doing it to the best, like, the best of your ability, which is what I feel like our 100% is just the best of your ability. Yeah. And that can change from day to day. It That's does. That's something I honor a lot yes. now. Yeah. In the, you know, we get into these complex places in our lives as adults, as, as parents, as business owners, whatever it is. And it's like, okay, today I have, maybe I have to focus more on home than work. Yeah. Or, and it, it's give, being okay with what is your 100% on that day? Yeah. But that's not being out of alignment. Yeah. It's only if you start using that as a way to avoid what's uncomfortable. Yeah. If you start going, oh, I know I need to do this. Oh, but I'm going to go shopping. Oh, yeah. oh I'm going to take care of the house. Maybe I'll cook. It sounds like you're taking care of your home, but only you know if the intention is, yeah, I really was supposed to do that, but I decided to try this recipe knowing it was going to take an hour instead of going to the gym or working out for the hour. Like, only you know that. It goes back to that integrity. Only you know that integrity piece. Yeah. Yes. So that's what's fascinating. But that's where the freedom comes in. Because when you realize it's on you, there's a part mm -hmm. that goes, okay. And without beating yourself up, you start to go, oh, well, okay. I, yeah. I can, okay, well, then I can do something about it. Instead of going, I hope somebody else does something that's about it for like. me or help me. Because that's yeah. a very powerless place to be. Yep. is hoping and wishing somebody else will do something to help you in your life. Yeah. 
It's, oh my it's, gosh. And you know what? You're, I love how this podcast is building because I'm getting to pull in other wisdom from other people. And as you're saying this, I'm picturing um, how many episodes. She just came out a couple weeks ago. But Benita um, Fitzgerald Mosley, who was a 1984 Olympic gold medalist. And she, at the end, you know, when I asked her about advice, she said her advice to the younger generation was ask the question, why not me? So when you're making a plan and you're like, you want to set that goal big and you want to do something big, why not me also comes with, and here is and knowing that why not me is also just you're the one that's going to make it happen. Yeah. And yes, that includes asking for help and in, you know, pull, creating a community that supports you, but what's that shift do? Yeah. And people... It's amazing how when you take ownership and responsibility for your life, for your feelings, it doesn't mean you have to do everything on your own. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to know everything. Yeah. But it means that you're willing to take responsibility for it, knowing that people will help. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the thing that people, human beings, want to help others. Yeah. But people will only help if they know how to help. Yeah. If you ask for help with clarity about what you're asking for help about. And the only way you get the clarity is to know what it is you're doing and what you need and what you're stuck on. Yeah. And so being able to say, yes, if you're asking a coach, a personal trainer, whatever, here's what I'm working on. And this is the part that I don't know how to do. Can you help me? Can you show me? Yeah. Okay. Then anybody, whether it's a coach or your neighbor will say, oh, I know how to do it. Yes, I can help you. Yes. So when someone says, oh, people don't want to help, they, they, oh, it's because you're not asking them in a way that they can help you. Right. So That's, um, that's, that's the bottom line. It's like, yeah. but you have to do the work first. And that work comes from the ownership of feelings. And I want to make sure I'm clear that it comes across clear that our feelings, they're real but they are not the truth <laughs> of a universal truth that we're supposed to hold on to them and that's not who we are, it's not our identity. They are feelings, they're meant to come up, give us information, we take that information and then we gather and move on. Mm-hmm. And they're meant to come in and guide us and then we let them go. And that's, we all have our own individual feelings while the feelings as humans are, are universal, not everybody feels them the same way and they don't have the same meaning. And more importantly, it's like, yes, our feelings are real, but they're our responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility to make your feelings go away or feel better. And there's something about, you know, being able to know that, to be like, oh, these are my feelings, okay. I'm responsible for them. Okay, mm-hmm. and I don't need anybody else to do anything to make me feel better. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's freeing. Absolutely. And that's what I teach in my course. So your course is called The Untamed Heart. The Untamed Heart. Okay. And the untamed is, is heart is about, you know, when we connect with our deepest heart's desires, we really are how to get to that place where we're free. And we're untamed and ultimately it's because the feelings that we have when we're faced with how to achieve those goals and those dreams and have them 
you get to the place where either fear is going to make you go, oh, that's too hard mm-hmm. or it's too scary. And or you go, yeah, I'm going to feel those. And OK. Yeah. And I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to feel my way through it and do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And that's where the untamed heart is really about the freedom of allowing yourself to have big goals, big dreams, big desires, and be like, okay, I will navigate my way through emotionally feeling them, not afraid of them. Yeah. And there, and I, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it is such a huge concept to set like big goals in your life. Um, but it sounds like in your course, you have ways that you help ground your clients in, you know, like tools and training yes. that make it feel a little less. So I teach different, really like, I give homework. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read it. I mean, I read it. I don't yeah. grade it. Uh-huh. Um, but it, that's where I start with the tools. Like one of my favorite tools, and I know you know this one. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing ever is writing. Oh, yes. Because the first step of being able to decipher a feeling is to actually know what you're feeling. And most people go through the same, you know, I feel stressed, which by the way is not a feeling. It's a biological response to the emotion that you're having. Um, and most people say, I just feel angry. Or they, they start with, it's like angry, well, halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Okay. And I learned that with my daughter early on when she was oh, like three. Yeah. Like, okay. go with your child, ask them are you, when they're upset. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And there are two that are physical issues and two emotional. That's how I started to recognize the difference. Um, yeah, so halt. H-A-L-D. But most people don't go beyond those. <laughs> they just go, okay, I'm, I'm lonely and I'm angry, you know, yeah. frustrated maybe and, or, or overwhelmed. But they stick with the same like four or five words. And there are probably 3,000 words in the English dictionary that describe feelings. And I say, we got to branch out. Because I know for me it was a big deal when I, because I was the same way. I used to always just say, I'm angry, I feel angry, I feel angry. And then I remember writing... And I remember going, let me look up in the dictionary, you know, angry, angry. But really what mattered, one of the most important things I teach is, you know, looking at what, not just the dictionary, but then look at the thesaurus. Because when I looked up angry, anger, and it said annoyed, irritated, anger, rage. And when I read the word rage, my whole body reacted because I realized it was rage. There were things in me that I felt was were rage, anger, beyond just anger, that I was trying so hard to control and suppress and pretend it wasn't there. And I realized that was the key for everything was I had to go into that feeling. And once I was able to get in there, I'm not afraid of it. So now there are situations and I go, okay, well, I'm just annoyed or I can be mildly irritated. Sometimes I'm angry and there's things that really hit the pissed off rage. But now there's four other words, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's not just anger. And the reason that matters is think about, you know, if you're hungry, are you hungry, like you want an apple hungry? Or do you need like a full meal with all the nourishment and the supplements and everything to go with it? How you treat it is going to be different based on what you actually feel. Mm-hmm. So being able to understand the feeling, the emotion that you have, is going to help you know how to deal with it. So I always start with, you gotta write it. 
Yes. Gotta write it. Even, so if, true. even if you sit there, because if you sit there and you can't write, well, then that's telling me that's, oh, that yeah. tells me a lot. And that, no, it's so it's so true. And I mean, I, I I wasn't working with a coach at the time, but I know way before I started writing, um, like my blog, something in me every day was like, you need to write. Yep. And I'd be like, no, I'm not doing <laughs> it. And then I'd go to bed that night and be like, God dang it, I didn't do it again. Like, and it stayed with me. Yeah. And I can't really remember how long, but it is, it's true. This is, I mean, I've learned by doing. Yeah. Um, these feelings of, of procrastination and the mm-hmm. things that we run up against when we're really pursuing our, yeah. you know. And not just pursuing self. stuff, but I know for me, so um, one of the big experiences of really recognizing how this all manifested was, you know, when my mom, back in 2017, when mm-hmm. my mom got sick, mm-hmm. and when she was diagnosed with ALS, and we didn't know, could be three weeks, could be three years, I didn't know what to do, how to handle it, what to know. But I remember just going, I'm not, I had enough tools at that point where I said, I'm not going to run away from my feelings. I'm going to, I'm going to feel them all as I go. And I did. I felt everything. I wrote everything. Some of the, often, like my mom and I had some of the best conversations because I could finally feel it and then talk with my mom. And there was nothing that wasn't, left unsaid but there was nothing that was left unfelt for me I felt everything wrote everything and by the time she passed in 2018 after her service people were kept going like are you okay how are you doing and I remember that first time when I was like you know what I'm actually okay and I was like well that's kind of weird like my mom mm-hmm. just passed but what I realized is I felt grief and sadness she was gone mm-hmm. but I had no regrets about anything that wasn't said I don't have, I didn't have any regrets of, I didn't feel it, I didn't say it. But also, I didn't, I didn't run away from and try to avoid any of the feelings at the time. Mm -hmm. Had I tried to run away while she was sick, Mm -hmm. then all of those feelings would have come rushing out, uh, you know, after her service. Mm -hmm. And they did not because I dealt with it in current time. Mm -hmm. And that's what I realized, like, oh my gosh, like, this is like gold, like what I learned how to yeah. do. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, I'm a different person now. And what I'm teaching is so that people aren't afraid of big life things. It's not going to feel good and it's not a way to make it, you know, soften it. Right. It's so that you can go through it without the need to avoid the feelings so that you can actually deal with it and what you need to do when it's happening. Yeah. That's so true, so so true. Yeah. So, um, if if people want to find um, find you to interact with you as a coach with your course, um, oh yes. You know, so here's what I learned. Yes. Oh, I love it. I just put it all out on paper. Perfect. Not only will I have I put to... it in the show notes, but this will go on the video. And yes, yeah, because I found it so much easier to have it on paper and just that to is... like say, you can find me and let me lift it up. You know, social media, person like business page, my group page, Instagram, YouTube, perfect, all of them in there. So, and my course is called the Untamed Heart. Okay. You can uh, the links will all be in there, but uh, click on that, rewrite and register the class. The next round, the class is going to start uh, middle of October, so in about uh, four weeks, three okay. four weeks here. Okay, great. And so go ahead and register for that, and um, just know. Um, 
you know, I think the one thing I want people to know, the most important thing about is my goal is to teach you how to be your own life doctor. I want people to feel like, okay, I know what to do. Yeah, I love that I message know. of empowerment. It's, that's the whole point. I want to teach you. Mm-hmm. And I've come to a place of all the things I wish I had known that I realized made a difference for me once I learned it. Then I went, oh, this is so freeing. And like, my life doesn't feel so scary or burdensome um, or just lost. Like, I don't feel lost, you know, and yeah. anymore. So it's really about that. That's such a beautiful place to be working from. And I'm such a believer in that, you know. I always, you know, it's, it's generation to generation, but it's also like just person to person, no matter how old yeah. you are. There's always more to learn. There's oh, always yeah. ways we can help each other. <laughs> and I'm convinced that lifelong learning is the key to longevity. And I still see you out there playing volleyball <laughs> and running and the things that we're able to do. And I'm just, I love this connection through mental health and mind, body, spirit alignment. I, I do. Just, thank I do. you. Yes. Thank you for letting me yeah. be here and share, uh, yeah. share my message. Yeah, share oh, I can't wait for what's coming. That's everything that we want to do at Be Better is just connect the world with better content and better tools and services that are helping us manage this modern world of that oftentimes feels like chaos, but it really can be quite beautiful. Yeah, so. it can be. So yeah. my message to anybody listening is if you have any questions, you can find me on social media and send me a message, Send, ask your questions, let me know you know, what is it that you need help with? Mm-hmm. And if, if I can help you, I will. If I can't, I know where to refer you. Like I will help you with where you're at. I will guide you in the right directions to the right people or places yeah. to help. So um, you're not out there by yourself. You're not alone it. and you're not stuck. So that's so, my message. So good. Well, yeah. thank you so much for oh, joining me today. Thank you for letting me return and be with you. I love being with you, I, know. I do. We so. do have fun. Here, so. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to what I meant to say. If you enjoyed this conversation, you know what to do. Subscribe, rate, review. And for more great content, courses, and lifestyle, go to BeBetterMedia.tv.